Welcome to the Transcend Human Podcast. I'm Daryl McMullen, and this is a show dedicated to understanding the human condition, the impact it has on us, how we respond to it, how we can exceed the expectations and limitations of this world, in essence, how we can level up and live lives that serve a higher purpose. Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome back to the show. It is September 21st, 2020. I uh, hope you are all doing well across the country. For us, uh, I think, yeah, this week we our high school kids go back to school, not full-time in person, but um, the hybrid approach that they were going to start with at the beginning of the year. So it's like a 50% in-class training and then 50% online. So that's where we're at here in California. Um, I know some of you have already been back. I know some of you may still be waiting to go back. Um, but things are slowly moving back in that direction. So let's jump into our minute of transparency for today. I'm just going to call it smokescreen. Uh, for the past two to three weeks, uh, we've been dealing with forest fires here in the West, um, especially in California, but really all the way from Seattle down to San Diego and as far inland as Colorado and South Dakota uh, have seen fires as well. And these fires have, have caused an enormous amount of damage, an enormous amount of, um, you know, homes are have been burned. Uh, but, but the byproduct of these fires is smoke, um, all of which has to go somewhere, right? So I, I put a map in the show notes if you're interested, but um, I found this screen grab at fire.airnow.gov. Uh, it's a pretty cool website where you can go and uh, put in your location and it shows you the air quality, it shows you uh, active fires and things like that across the country. And so, you know, obviously you can't see this right now because you're just listening, but I'll kind of describe this to you so you can get a feel for how big this is. Um, so it literally shows red, orange, and yellow dots all over the western United States. So those are indicating fires or either active fires, new fires, or fires that are somewhat contained. And then it shows a dark black screen over the areas where you would um, have dense smoke or where the smoke has drifted. And so this large smoke cloud literally covers our entire country. You can't even see, you know, a spot really on the U.S. I mean, I guess there's some down in some areas down in Florida, uh, the south coast that it hasn't reached yet, but literally this massive black cloud that reaches over the entire United States. It even reaches up into Canada and, and far enough into Canada to where the most densely populated areas are covered with the same smoke. And then if you go down into Mexico a ways, um, there's smoke reaching down there. And then we have these crazy little appendages that are just sticking out into the Pacific Ocean and Atlantic Ocean that go quite a ways out into the ocean. So it's just, it's very interesting to look at. And it's very interesting to, to think about how many areas of the country are impacted by this smoke. And there's many places that won't even realize it, right? Their air quality might be a little poorer than normal, but life will go on. Uh, 
However, there are areas where the smoke is so bad that life has literally had to adjust or stop in some cases. And uh, that's kind of true of here in uh, Southern California. Uh, the air quality is so bad that we don't know from day to day um, what will be allowed and what won't. So one minute is, it's okay to be outside. They're telling you, you know, it's fine. The next minute, you're not supposed to go outside, exercise, walk, play sports, or hike, things like that. Uh, and, you know, you can't always smell it, smell it in the air, but the air is thick for sure. And there's a haze that you can see most days. And that's nothing compared to the hardest hit areas. Uh, you know, some areas up in, in near Seattle and Portland and San Francisco. Uh, I've, I'm sure you've seen the images on the news where entire cityscapes are shrouded in a thick orange fog. Um, I put a link to that in the show notes as well if you're interested in seeing that. So why is this the minute of transparency, you ask? Well, I'm getting there. You know, I think the transparent part is just me acknowledging that uh, this has been a crazy, crazy year, and the fires are just one small part of that. You know, just when you seem things can get worse, you know, up pop a few hurricanes, and then a, a fire season that might go down as one of the worst in a really long time. But at this point, why should we be surprised about any of it, right? Uh, now, I know the Earth has seen worse, for sure, but 2020 is going to stick out like a sore thumb, at least in the modern in modern times. I also call this a minute of transparency. Um, I called it smokescreen for a reason. Uh, you know, we've talked about the fires and the smoke that, that is impacting the world or our country physically. Um, but I'm also just fascinated with the term smokescreen in and of itself. So a smokescreen is defined as a wall of smoke meant to conceal military operations. Uh, and this is my question for us today. I'm, I'm wondering if everything that is happening in 2020 has just been a smokescreen, just a wall of smoke that's meant to keep us distracted while a military operation is going on right under our noses. Maybe, just maybe, Satan is rolling out some of his final tactical moves, and he knows that he needs to keep people distracted so he can get into position. Now, it's just a thought, nothing further worked out in my head, but just something to think about nonetheless. So let's shift focus. Um, as our minute of transparency really doesn't have to do a lot with our topic today, um, which is transcending fair. And in this episode, we're going to discuss the fairness game, why we came by it honestly, the hidden dangers, and then finding balance. Number one, the fairness game. So growing up, I'm sure that we've all heard a parent, teacher, coach, or, or other adults say, don't use the F word, uh, at least for me. And this, you know, this was the ultimate cuss word, the worst of the worst, the one that if that slipped out, you knew you were getting soap in the mouth for sure. And unfortunately, I got to experience that soap a few times. Uh, in fact, I'll really never look at that green and white bar of Irish Spring the same. But those were the good old days, back when we were taught as kids to speak well and refrain from using the easy words, right? The words that just wanted to pop out at times. Uh, back when we were taught that kids, kids were supposed to use smart words, describe their feelings instead of using uh, cuss words and profanity and simply blasting the world with, with words like that. Almost a non-existent today, right? I mean, we still teach our kids, or I think 
parents are still trying to teach their kids to manage their language. But as a culture, we're actually moving 100 miles an hour toward acceptance, inclusion, and freedom of speech. You know, sounds good on the outside, but that also means that profanity in music and on television is just becoming more and more common, and oftentimes just an accepted thing. But that's not why we're here today, uh, because the F word we're talking about isn't that F word of yesteryear. It's actually a little different and really won't get me into trouble if I use it a few times here on the show. The F word we're talking about today is the word fair. Not a, not inappropriate to say out loud, but still dangerous, uh, a dangerous concept as we will discover. So dictionary.com defines fair this way, free from bias, dishonesty, or injustice, as in a fair decision by a judge. Two, legitimately sought, pursued, done, given, etc. Proper under the rules, as in a fair fight. So in the first definition, we see fairness as being a just decision, right? One that is free from bias, not influenced by anything other than the facts. And in the second description, we see something similar, fairness being a person or people playing by the rules. So I got to thinking... The concept of fairness really has two elements, right? The first is this understanding or this belief that we should live in a society that is fair. And then number two, that we as people should be fair to each other. Number two, we came by it honestly. So where does this concept of fairness even come from, right? Well, I didn't do a deep dive into the concept of fairness or its origins, but it seems pretty obvious to me that fairness isn't a quality the entire world embraces. Obviously, there are countries where one ethnicity is killing another. There's countries where women are still viewed as less than. There are still countries where uh, there's a social class system. Uh, And there are countries where you can be uh, locked up without a fair trial, uh, guilty until proven innocent. And then there are still dictatorships, right, where one family or party has all of the power to the detriment of everyone else. Now we come to the United States, and it occurs to me that all of the statements I just made about other countries could be applied to us as well. We still deal with uh, racial and ethnic tension. There's still a glass ceiling for women. Our country is very stratified. Uh, and is moving even faster toward two classes, right? The haves and the have-nots. We've uncovered behavior in our criminal justice system that suggests people have been locked up with little to no evidence. And there are times when it can feel like you're living under a dictator. Uh, Just saying. But at the same time, the United States stands for something higher. Even if we don't live up to it, Our Constitution calls for equality, freedom, and the pursuit of happiness for all who call this their home. And that's really the basis for fairness in our society or in our culture. Though we are far from perfect, our country is built on the principles of fairness. People are supposed to get a fair trial through our legal system. All people are supposed to have access to our educational system. We value hard work, and as long as people are working hard, they should be able to succeed. All people should be able to get educated, own property, and build lives for themselves in this country. Another place we see fairness in action is through athletics. And it isn't just a United States thing. Think about the Olympics. A universal set of games that rewards hard work and fairness in competition. Uh, 
the fact that they drug test and, and have rules about doping for, in the Olympics is, is an attempt to maintain a level of fairness. And then there's the fact that every single game has a set of rules specific to the game. Why? To ensure that the game is fair. If there were no rules, teams would simply figure out unique and unorthodox ways to gain an advantage over the opponent so that they could win, and it would not be viewed as fair. Here's a perfect illustration. When I was younger, I can still remember sitting with my dad watching the Edmonton Oilers play on our little black and white television. Back in the glory days, there was Wayne Gretzky, Yari Curry, Mark Messier, Paul Coffey, Grant Fuhr, and all the rest of them. And it was a very successful team because they had developed a new and unique brand of hockey. Instead of the hard-hitting, body-checking, almost brawl-style hockey that was played on the East Coast, they were a high-flying, fast team with passing and shooting skills that changed the face of the game. And at some point, in an attempt to keep things fair, the NHL actually instituted rules that made it harder for fast-skating teams like the Edmonton Oilers to be successful. One rule has actually become known as the Wayne Gretzky rule, since it blatantly shackled him and his team uh, and their style of play. And it's no different for any of the modern sports, from the NFL to the NBA. Rules are adjusted in an attempt to keep things as fair as possible, often shutting down amazing talent because it just doesn't seem right that one individual or one individual athlete should be as successful as they are, while others are not. And finally, we see fairness in our everyday routines. Think about the rules of the road. Sure, they're meant for safety, but they're also meant for fairness, right? Think about a four-way stop. Everyone gets a fair, a fair chance to go, right? A turn to go. At a roundabout, traffic keeps moving and the person to the left goes first. And that person sometimes is you, so it's fair. Similarly, at Disneyland, you wait in lines, and the lines are meant to ensure that everyone gets a turn fairly. Even at restaurants, it's first come, first served, which is based on fairness. If you put your name in before somebody else, then you should be seated first. So like I said, we came by it honestly. Not only are we in a country that was built on concepts like fairness, but we see it all the time in everyday activities like sports, driving, and dining. Number three, the hidden dangers. So we've seen that fairness is an attempt to level the playing field, right? To give everyone a chance to make sure that certain people aren't winning at the expense of others. What's not to love, right? I mean, how could something like that be bad or dangerous by any means? Great questions, questions I've struggled with for most of my life. When I got married, I would say that I was definitely on the fairness train. Now, I don't know if I was just drinking the cultural Kool-Aid or if I was uh, somehow brainwashed as a child or if, you know, if there was a religious element to it. But whatever the case, I was all about fairness. It was actually a goal of mine. Then I met my wife and she seemed to have this slightly irrational fascination with fairness. A fascination not with things being fair, but a fascination with the idea that life is not fair. And this became very clear as our kids started to grow. Uh, I would hear her say, I would hear them say, uh, that's not fair. To which my wife would reply, life isn't fair. Or, whoever told you life was fair? At first it shocked me a bit. I meant, I mean, isn't that the goal? Shouldn't we try to be fair in everything we do? 
I mean, if I bought the kids ice cream, wouldn't I buy one ice cream cone for each? I mean, that would be fair. Or if two kids wanted ice cream and the third wasn't a big fan of ice cream, wouldn't we try to find something else for that child so that it would be fair? It just seemed like the loving, good parenting thing to do. But the problem with this behavior is that we are reinforcing something that will never be 100% fixed on this earth. The cold, hard truth in this life is that life is not fair. And we can push as hard as we want in that direction, but we won't change the fact that there will always be things that don't add up, things that don't level out on the scales of life. It's part of the human condition, and as we discovered in controversy theory, it's part of the sin virus that now affects us on this planet. The, inf- the unfortunate result in trying to make the world fair is this. Low self-esteem, anger, bitterness, anxiety, depression, jealousy, prejudice, racism, sexism. Should I go on? This really is the hidden danger behind always wanting things to be fair in a world where it will never happen. So did I just immediately learn my lesson about fairness when I met my wife? Of course not. Of course not. I still struggle with it at times today. And looking back, there were a number of situations where my fondness for fairness got me into a whole lot of trouble. Lesson number one, back problems. So somewhere in my mid-30s, I bent over to pick up a toy off the floor and my life changed forever. Something popped in my lower back and I hit the floor. For 20 minutes I laid there, in pain, unable to stand up. And that single incident set my life on a new course forever. Multiple MRIs, medication, physical therapy, etc, etc, etc. Each time it would happen, each time my back would go out on me again, I would go back through that same process. Pretty normal, right? I mean, lots of people suffer from lower back pain due to an aging spinal column and discs that start to bulge or leak. Well, not for me. I mean, I grew up as an an active child. I played sports. I worked out. I ran for the heck of it. And uh, I was pretty fit most of the time. So it wasn't fair that this was happening to me. And there it was, the fondness for fairness. And it took me out for a while. I was bitter, angry and disgusted at life in general. Who knows, maybe I was even a little angry at God. How could you let this happen to me? I actually tried to exercise and do some of the right things in life, and this is how I get repaid? Lesson number two, cholesterol. So right around the same time, as I started experiencing the back problems, I went to the doctor, did my normal physical for the year, and I found out that I had high cholesterol. Uh, You know, the doctor immediately wanted to put me on medication, and uh, I'm I'm like, no, I'm not going to go on medication for cholesterol. You know, there's got to be something else I can do. The doctor's like, yeah, sure, you can can try eating better, and you can exercise more, um, and we'll see if that helps. So for the next month, I ate differently, and I exercised a bit more. But at my next checkup, surprisingly enough, my numbers had actually increased. My doctor explained that I may just be genetically screwed and that medication was the starting point, just to keep the numbers down at an acceptable level. Well, not for me. I mean, I had lived my whole life exercising, eating right. I didn't smoke. I didn't drink. I didn't do drugs. It wasn't fair that this was happening to me. 
And there it was again, my need for fairness. So I did what the doctor said, and I've been on medication ever since. But again, I was bitter, angry, and frustrated with the, the world, or possibly God, for not giving me what I deserved, right? A life without medical problems in return for the work I had put in earlier in life. Lesson number three, losing my job. Up until three years ago, I don't think I had ever lost a job. I moved on from jobs, but it was always my choice, always something that I had pursued. But in 2018, everything changed. I was released from the job that I had moved my entire family to California for. It came out of the blue, it was not because of poor performance, and it wasn't even because they needed to downsize. They just decided they wanted to go in a different direction. Now, for those of you who've been in this situation before, you know what happens next, right? Your mind goes in a thousand different directions. Conspiracy theories abound. Uh, you know there had to be a reason. Someone didn't like you. They wanted to remove you because it was a high salary and they knew they could backfill your position with a younger, cheaper talent. Or maybe they just didn't feel like you were a good fit for the organization. But now they can't tell you that, right? Whatever the case, I was upset. I was furious. It wasn't fair, right? It wasn't fair that this was happening to me and to my family. Here we go again. Anger, bitterness, resentment, fear, all setting in. I mean, how could they do that to me? I have a work ethic that doesn't quit. I had done everything right. I had worked harder and longer than other employees. And when you let someone go, there needs to be a good reason, right? Like you need to bring it up with them and give them a chance to fix the problem if there is one. But none of that had happened, making the situation that much worse. Three life lessons, right? Three situations I went through that nearly took me out of the game for good. And why? What was it about those three things that had such a big impact on me? Well, when I look back, I can boil down all three situations to my fondness for fairness. They weren't fair. I simply did not get a fair shake. I had worked hard that these things not happen to me, and yet they did. So the justice side of me stood up and demanded that it not be so. But it was. And that's what I struggled with. And that's why I struggled through these situations longer and harder than I really needed to. The crazy thing is, I have a feeling that it was God allowing me to experience a few things like this to grow me up, to help me understand the truth about fairness, the fact that life is not fair, nor should we expect it to be fair. Back to the illustration about buying ice cream for our kids. By going out of our way to make sure that things were always fair, right, that each child has the exact same amount of ice cream, or that the third child always got something to balance out the dessert run, we, are, we were in essence perpetuating the fairness myth with our children. We unknowingly taught them that fairness is the highest value and that without it in their lives, that they may be less fulfilling. But what if we had done the opposite? What if we had gone out for ice cream and let the third child fend for himself? If he found something he liked, great. If he didn't, great. Maybe next time, um, we would end up at a cookie shop, and that child would have all of the choices, and the other two would not. In this scenario, if you start to think this way, we're really starting to push back at the concept of fairness, and we're teaching a couple valuable lessons. First, always make the best out of a bad situation. 
Maybe in this situation, the third child asks for a cup full of toppings minus the ice cream. Brilliant solution, right? Way to be innovative and, and think outside the box. Or better yet, maybe they learn that life can be good even if you're in an ice cream shop and you don't like ice cream. How useful could that tool be to his future? At the end of the day, demanding fairness looks like this. I've been a good Christian, so I shouldn't have problems. Good things should happen to good people. Bad things should happen to bad people. These are the things we tell ourselves, even if we don't say it out loud. It's what we're believing. And when we realize that this isn't the way the world operates, we're screwed. At least until we learn the truth about fairness and we see it for what it really is. Number four, finding the right balance. So let's end today by netting things out. I really stayed to the extremes today when I talked about fairness, right? I started out by making it sound like the highest value we should have, that the things that we're trying to achieve in life to make life better, that they're great, that fairness should be our goal. And then I went completely the opposite direction, the other extreme, and I made fairness look like a mortal enemy that will do nothing but ruin your life. So I think we need to find a balance, right? I hate the extremes. So let's look for balance, a moderate way of viewing fairness that just might be the best approach. The ability to work for fairness and yet not allow it to take us out at the same time. And I think in order to do this, um, it all starts with good judgment, determining the hills to die on, so to speak. It's actually, it's actually a lot like the four-step decision-making process we talked about last week. We need to start by determining whether or not a situation is right or wrong, or in this situation, we're going to call it a justice thing, right? So these would be things that we should put push back against, like prejudice, racism, systemic racism, sexism, human trafficking, etc. In justice situations like these, there is nothing wrong with demanding fairness and pushing back against the evils behind them. In fact, I believe it's our job as Christians to stand up for fairness in these areas, to push back and work so that everyone is treated the same based on our intrinsic value as human beings with the same creator. Yes, we're going to be faced with setbacks in these areas. It's not always going to be up and to the right because the world does not think like that. The evil in the world wants to push the opposite way and maintain the chaos. So we have to be able to push for fairness and at the same time not be overwhelmed by the fact that things aren't always moving in the right direction. Then there will be many other situations in your life that aren't related to high-level justice issues like racism. We may still feel like justice wasn't served, like when I was let go with little to no explanation. I mean, I definitely felt like an injustice had been done. But at the end of the day, it is an organization's prerogative to restructure themselves and to swap employees in and out if needed. Regardless if it was inappropriate or not, they still have the right to do it. And it's in situations like these where we need to release our fondness for fairness and be able to say things like this. This wouldn't be my first choice, but I'll get through it. Life isn't always fair, but I get to choose how I deal with setbacks. The universe is not singling me out. Things like this happen all the time to people everywhere. There doesn't have to be a good explanation. It can be as simple as understanding that there is evil in the world and nobody is immune. So these are all phrases that 
are much more rational, much more rational ways of dealing with things not going the way we think they should go, dealing with things that don't seem fair, things that can actually seem like an injustice at some, at some point in your life. So this is it, right? This is the balance, fighting for fairness when it means that a human being is being harmed, but releasing our need for fairness in every other scenario. Not easy for sure, but if we can do that, then we can win. We are much less likely to experience the negative side effects we talked about above. Things like low self-esteem, anger, bitterness, anxiety, depression, jealousy, prejudice, racism, and sexism. And instead, what backfills those things when we're able to release our grip on fairness is a sense of peace and a sense of contentment. Now, I'm not talking about some Zen state of mind where you're literally floating and detached from the world around you. I'm talking about a mind over matter, proactive, reality-based ability to experience painful situations and choose not to play the fairness game. If we can work toward this, we will experience a level of peace that is countercultural, a contentment that others will see and desire to have for themselves. With God's help, we can get there. So let's land the plane. This week, I encourage you to think about these things. One, are you fond of fairness? Uh, if so, can you look back on your life and see a trail of bitterness and resentment because of it? Number two, what can you do this week to balance out your fondness for fairness? And finally, if you're a parent, what have you been teaching your kids? Are you unknowingly teaching them that fairness is the ultimate goal? If so, think about taking steps away from that. Teach them how to decide between social justice fairness and what would be nice to have fairness. I guarantee they'll thank you for it later in life. And that about wraps things up. As always, thank you so much for being with us here today. Uh, if you're loving the content, uh, reach out and let me know. Also, uh, tell friends and family about the show by posting links to it on social media. And if you have the time, it's always uh, great to have good ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. It definitely helps boost our visibility in the podcast world. So this is where I'll leave you this week. Uh, until next time, be good to each other and keep transcending human. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Transcend Human podcast. For more information, you can go to transcendhuman.com, where you'll find ways to contact us and how to access social media channels. If you like the show, you can help us by doing the following. First, tell a few friends about the show. Uh, there's nothing better than word of mouth marketing. Second, you can leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, this will make it easier to find the show and encourage others to check us out. Uh, thanks again for subscribing, and we'll see you next time.